Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CMA markets. It's Tuesday, September the 27th. I'm Katerina Dassier. And I'm Richard Woolley. Coming up this week, credit analyst Cedric Kassan discusses German TV company Telecolumbus. High yield reporter Beatrice Mavrolian gives us a roundup of what's going on in the primary market and what the sentiment in the market is like. And Andrew Ross catches up with middle market reporter Lucia Camblor about the key takeaways from the IPEN conference in Cannes, which she attended last week. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience, so please take a moment to complete the short survey at the link attached to this podcast to let us know how we're doing. Hi Cedric, last week you wrote a story about German TV group Telecolumbus. I saw that the loan and bonds are trading on much wider spreads than similar issues in the technology, media and telecom sector. Why is that? Hi Kat. Yes, so the German company Telecolumbus is a bit like an evergreen in the high yield TMT space, with a re- relatively eventful credit history. So in some respects, we are not very surprised to see it again. The company has a 650 million euro bond with a coupon of 3.875%, trading in the low 80s, and a term loan B with a rate of Euribor plus 3.5%, trading in the mid 80s. Both instruments have been a bit under pressure lately as some investors worry about the company refinancing prospects. The term loan is due in 2024 and the bond in 2025. And what are the main reasons for being concerned about the refinancing of the debt? I assume with these maturities, they are probably targeting to have something in place at some point next year? Yes, so there are several things that are negative for the company. First of all, the second quarter results were a bit disappointing, with a 15% decline in EBITDA driven by the decline in premium TV customers and higher marketing and personal spend. The telecom space is normally quite quite stable, so that was quite a big drop, relatively speaking. The company already has pretty high leverage in the sector, 6.4 times, so without leverage coming down, a refinancing is more challenging. There is also some new regulation coming into force in July 2024, just before the first maturity, which will mean that landlords cannot bundle cable TV service fees into rental contracts. This means Telecolumbus has to sell to tenants individually instead of the current model of charging tenants through the housing associations, which most investors expect will lead to customer churn. Investors will likely look at this problem when considering a new refinancing package. And some people also don't like the frequent management changes. The CEO stepped down only at the beginning of September. And another and maybe bigger problem is the company's shareholder strategy to implement an ambitious capex strategy to roll out an upgraded fiber network. That sounds like a massive project. Who are the shareholders and how do they plan to finance this? 
So when the two current shareholders, Morgan Stanley Infrastructure Partners and United Internet, which by the way was also previously invested, when those two took over the company in early 2021, the plan was that Telecolumbus would invest about 2 billion euros over a 10-year period in this project. So that is of course a chunky amount and the, the idea was to at least partially finance this with equity raises. So now there are, there are some concerns from investors about A, that the initially agreed equity raise of 75 million, million euros by the year-end hasn't come through yet from the shareholders and B, that the company is a bit behind the CapEx plan initially guided for. Okay, so it sounds like a few things have to go right for Telecolumbus to pull off a successful refinancing next year. Yes, I think so too. So in the meantime, we'll have to see what management and the shareholders do to put the company in the best position for 2024. Thank you, Cedric. There's currently over 2.5 billion euros of debt on offer in the European primary market, of which the lion's share comes from a package of loans and bonds being raised by Belgian human resources company House of HR. Reorg's EMEA Covenants team published its analysis on the new notes earlier today, and our financial analysts will publish their own piece on the deal tomorrow. Meanwhile, high-yield reporter Beatrice Mavrolian has been focusing on the leveraged loan market, and she had this to say when we spoke earlier today. Over the last week, Citrix, Rovensa and Initum priced new debt against the backdrop of largely negative market conditions. Rovensa is a Portuguese crop nutrition specialist, which increased its term loan B add-on to 387.5 million euros from 387 million and tightened the OID to 95.75 from the initial range of 94 to 95 after the deal became multiple times oversubscribed. However, this was reflective of the quality of the company and its acquisition target, rather than positive market conditions. Meanwhile, US-based enterprise software company Citrix was only able to get its jumbo cross-border financing across the line by offering significantly higher yield and with the sponsor taking some of the debt. Citrix priced its $4 billion senior secured notes at 83.561 with a 6.5% coupon to yield 10%, compared with initial whispers of around 8%. The final price for the $4.05 billion denominated term loan B and $500 million um, euro term loan B were set at 91 across both tranches, also the wider end of the previously guided 91 to 92 range. According to news reports, sponsor Elliott bought around $1 billion of the bonds. French IT services company Initum twice increased the size of its term loan B, initially up to 450 million euros, then up to 600 million euros from the initial 300 to 400 million range. It set final terms at 90, the wider end of the previously guided 90 to 91 range, with a margin of E plus 500 basis points. The group scrapped its proposed six-year 300 million senior secured notes. Against the wider economic picture of rising interest rates and the fall in sterling, European high-yield funds recorded a further $40 million outflow last week, with cumulative year-to-date outflows reaching $9 billion, according to Barclays Research. The ITRAX crossover index widened about 50 basis points from last Wednesday to around 655 basis points this morning. 
The deadline for investor commitments to Spain-based business process outsourcing group Kronosnet's 450 million euro term loan B was on Tuesday morning. Syndication is ongoing for Dutch artificial grass provider 10Cat Grass's 274.3 million euro term loan B add-on, which will fund its acquisition of US-based Hellas. And Belgium recruitment group House of HR is marketing a debt package comprising 425 million euros of senior secured notes, a 1.02 billion term loan and an additional 125 million delayed draw piece and a 310 million second lien facility to support Bain Capital's acquisition of a majority stake in the company and for refinancing. Hi Lucia, thanks for joining us. Last week you attended the IPIM conference in Cannes where you had the opportunity to hear from panelists in the private equity and private debt sector. It'd be great to hear about some of your key takeaways. Hi Andrew, thank you very much. Yes, I think the main takeaway is that private market investors are confident about their ability to navigate macroeconomic headwinds. As direct lenders continue to benefit from more flexibility than banks, and while M&A deals are slowing down, direct lenders and private equity firms said they have dry powder to deploy, particularly in non-cyclical subsectors. And, and what about credits with exposures to inflation and potential recessions? Panelists highlighted discrepancies between sponsors' valuation aspirations and buyers' expectations, and fans noted the pressure on return due to raising inflation. They said these factors were forcing participants to be more selective in their investment decisions. They also said that although they were navigating a dislocated market, they were finding opportunities in resilient sectors such as agriculture. Meanwhile, when asked about Covlite Unitranch and whether the momentum was over, panelists concluded that it had never started. And how are direct lenders avoiding losses in the current environment? Direct lending funds have been buying secondary loans and offering bifurcated debt packages, including PICs, to continue to deploy capital in volatile markets. While in the first half of the year, private debt funds filled in the gap left by leveraged loan and high bond investors to support buyouts, direct lenders are now considering secondary market relative value, adapting deal structure and becoming pickier on sectors. During the summer, Reorg reported on a number of Unitranch deals with peak debt. Ardian and Haythin clapped together to provide a seven-year 120 million Unitranch bond, including a Holco peak, to support Adagia Partners' acquisition of French distributor of dental prosthetic devices Minley Group. Also, BlackRock and Bridgepoint Credit teamed up to each provide 50% of Unitranch debt at six times net leverage to back Ardian's acquisition of a minority stake in French radiology management platform group Simago. The deal included the option to add a further turn of leverage to up to seven times, which could include a peak down the line. And finally, Arkmont Asset Management, Goldman Sachs and KKR provided a unit tranche leveraged at five times and a peak to support TA Associates' majority acquisition of Spanish platform and certification provider Es Publico. Thank you, Lucia. Thank you. Last week, Reorg launched the Middle Market Debt Origination Tracker. 
The monthly tracker, published on the penultimate Wednesday of each month, captures debt and leverage data from Reorg's middle market coverage. We also have two bi-weekly trackers, the Ukraine Invasion Impact Tracker, which covers companies affected by the war in Ukraine, and the EMEA Special Situations Tracker, the next of which is due for publication tomorrow afternoon, which includes selected debt and leverage data taken from capital structures on the Reorg site. On October the 5th, Reorg will be hosting a webinar discussion of Genesis Care, the Australian-headquartered radiology services group, which was bought by US-based 21st Century Oncology out of bankruptcy in 2019. The KKR-backed group failed to turn the US business around after the former founder set up in opposition and is now heading for a full-blown restructuring as a result. You can register now to hear our panel of experts as they deep dive into the causes of Genesis Care's underperformance and discuss what could happen next and what the potential recoveries are for lenders. Email marketing at reorg.com for more information. More info on all of the situations and events discussed in this podcast is available on the Reorg website, reorg.com. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening.